0: Welcome back to another exclusive episode of the Pot of Aggieland. This is your host, Chase Lane, yours truly, number two in the field, number one in y'all's hearts. Before we start the show, I just want to give a, um, you know, special rest in peace to my Uncle Fred. He just passed away a couple of days ago, Um, had a heart attack, man. So just I'm I'm praying, hope you guys can send y'all's prayers out to the Lane family and to the Henry family. But rest in peace to my Uncle Fred, um, praying for my cousins, Sean, Shane, Maddie, everybody down there in, in Dallas, all my, all my people down there in Dallas. So I'm um, praying for y'all, man. And if you guys can just pray for the pray, pray for the Lane family, it can it'll go a long way. So uh, we are definitely grieving the loss of Uncle Fred and we are definitely trying to find healing. So if you guys can just keep us in your prayers and that would be really, really uh, special to me. So just want to get that out the way before we start the show, just to show my love and to show my um, support towards my cousins down there and to my family as a whole. So moving forward from that, um, that kind of leads me into my quote of the day. And the quote of the day is keep smiling because life is a beautiful thing and there's so much to smile about. Say it again, keep smiling, because life is a beautiful thing and there's so much to smile about man it's it's hard to find happiness and it's hard to find the positive things when you are going through things that seem like you're just down in the dumps mm-hmm. and there's just no way that you can pull yourself out of this man but this quote really resonated with me because it gave me a different perspective on the death of my uncle. So it says, keep smiling because life is a beautiful thing. And there's so much to smile about. And when I think about that, I look at it as my uncle has moved on to a better place, a place where there's no more pain, a place of tranquility, a, a place of peace, a place of just ultimate harmony and just relaxation in if I believe in heaven. So that's where I believe that he's at. So I think instead of focusing on the death, more so focus on the celebration and the, and the goodness of the life he lived, he had um, kids, man, he was a loving, loving father. He was a loving man of the family, big family, man, big family guy. And yeah, man. So life is a beautiful thing, whether we see it all the time or not. And, you know, we just have to keep smiling because, um, no matter what happens, you just gotta just smile and pray. So that's the quote of the day. I'll say it again. Keep smiling because life is a beautiful thing and there is so much to smile about. So, we're going to keep smiling as a lame family. We're going to keep going. Um, you know, we we always pull ourselves out if we if we ever get in, into anything. So, yeah, man, we're going to keep smiling. So that's the emphasis of the day, more so the core of the day. But that's also the emphasis today to everybody is to just keep smiling because life is such a beautiful thing and it is such a precious thing. So moving forward, we're going to get into... Texas A&M football. We are returning back from a disappointing loss against South Carolina. We are sitting at three and four to respond to fans who think that the locker room might be in shambles and, you know, to people thinking that coach Fisher has lost the team. That could be, that's so far from the truth, man. We love playing for coach Fisher and his staff. Everybody in the locker room is we, – we, we all consider each other brothers, man, so I don't really pay attention to what people are saying on the outside because at the end of the day, it doesn't really necessarily matter what everybody else is saying. Like, the only opinions that matter are the people who are in the bright football complex, and that's what it's always going to be like. Um, so people who are just trying to just, you know, to start Twitter wars and to just start speculations and rumors on Twitter – I feel like we've done a pretty good job this week of just tuning that out and, you know, just focusing on the task at hand. Because like I said, even though we're three and four, there is still a lot of football left to be played. And even though our initial dreams and aspirations and goals of competing for a SEC championship and a national championship may be out the window, like we can still go out there and just play football. So even uh, Max Wright, tight end, senior, veteran, what he had to say during his presser he said and I quote i am very confident this team hasn't checked out there's still a lot of ball left to be played if that mindset starts to creep in the older guys have taken the young un- the older guys have taken the younger guys under our wing and i think that's very true i feel like myself being an older guy i feel like i've continued to take younger guys under my wing and I've taken on a lot of that burden since Anais isn't always around, just, you know, he's rehabbing and dealing with his injury. But, you know, guys like me and Jalen Preston and Max Wright and, uh, you know, guys who have just been around the program for a while and understand the culture that, uh, that Coach Fisher has put in place, we have made it a priority to, you know, just bring these younger guys along with us because when it, when it clicks for everybody at the same time, man, it's going to be a scary, scary sight in costation Station. And I know that... You know, people hear that and just oh, they, they always say that. But man, I'm I'm telling you, when when we all click at the right time, it's gonna be scary hours for everybody in college football. So, um, moving forward, uh, let's let's stop talking about the drama. Let's let's move on to talking about the 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 juice of the podcast, what the podcast is really for. Let's let's get into some football, man. So, coming up this weekend, we have Ole Miss. They just lost to LSU on the road. Uh, LSU was a very talented team this year. They're, they're starting to click on the right cylinders. But, you know, Ole Miss, they're, even though they lost, still a very quality opponent. They are sitting at number 15 in the country. Got playmakers on on both sides of the ball. Can uh, really, you know, get up and down the field. They 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 love the tempo. If you know college football, you are very familiar with Lane Kiffin and how he runs his offense. It's a very fast-paced tempo simple concepts, but can really lure you to sleep if you're not paying attention. And if you watched our game last year against them, um, just to be honest, they, they kind of gassed our defense. And I wasn't able to play that game because I had already been out with my 20 Achilles, but I was actually watching it on TV and you could just tell that our defense was getting really, really gassed out there. And, you know, we were playing down there in Oxford and it was just very hostile environment, but yeah, Coach Kiffin, he 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 wants to get up and down the field. He wants to he wants to push the tempo. He wants to get the calls in fast. He wants to get mis- misdirections with the D line. You know, uh, he, he his offense is um, presents a lot of trickery. So, what we have done different this week is now how we start every practice. We actually start against the defense, like ones on ones, twos on twos, like off the gate when practice starts, and we've never done that before. And Coach Fisher really just wants us to get used to just starting faster and, you know, waking up and not not just going against the scout team, but actually going against, like, you know, the ones and the twos. You know, we go out there and we move the field, and um, we actually sped up our tempo for the defense to kind of give a, a similar look as to what Ole Miss might do. So that's actually been really fun, going against the defense that early because, you know, it just gets your blood pumping. It gets you ready to go out there and practice. So um, that's the difference that we've been doing this week in practice, and I feel like it's really – really benefiting both sides of the ball because this week Coach Fisher actually does want to kind of up our tempo and, uh, you know, just get the ball snap quicker because, you know, um, they're D-line. They have a very talented D-line on that side of the ball, and they like to blitz damn near every play. So as much as we can, you know, just get the ball into our playmakers' hands as quickly as possible, move the chains, um, provide motions because when they motion, when we motion – they like to shift and, you know, if we can get them caught up in a uh, a busted coverage, you know, that that can only present big plays. So we've really been focusing on that. And although Ole Miss does have a um, strong D-line, they kind of do slimmer to what they did last year. And we actually have their D, uh, defensive coordinator this year, DJ Durkin. He's our D coordinator this year, but their run defense has struggled. They're 86 in the nation. Um, they... Only use like three down linemen a lot of the time, and um, yeah. So I think Devonta Chain, uh, Le'Veon. I think those guys are gonna have a good day. You know, if we can just pick up the blocks, and you know, if we can uh, do a good job out in the perimeter of just blocking and doing our job at the O line, and just as the offense as a whole, I feel that we can create a lot of opportunities for our running backs in the game, while still being ready for those plays in the in the uh, in the pass game as well. Um, but yeah, just moving forward, man, this is our first home game in Kyle field since September 17th, like we have been absent for almost five, six weeks, man. Like that's crazy. And it just, it's gotten so boring and just so draining, you know, just practicing on Thursday and Having to get in the plane and having to go fly somewhere else and, you know, just being in a different time zone like we were in South Carolina, man. And I'm just so ready to just be back in Kyle Field and just, you know, not have to worry about the fans trying to get in our heads when we're trying to run a play on offense. And, you know, just really just being in front of our our fan base and, you know, just our people, our people, man. And, you know, just being with the 12th man and um, that will definitely play a factor into this game. Uh, That will definitely be a factor if we win this game. And, you know, I know the fans are going to come up. They're going to show out no matter what. I remember I saw on Twitter um, a couple of days ago, after we lost to South Carolina, people were still camped out outside of our stadium for pool for this game. So that just shows you the type of people and the type of loyalty that um, we have towards our program, man. And, you know, that love and that loyalty and that appreciation does not go unnoticed. And we are so very grateful as a team to have – the loyal 12th man behind our back. So I am more than excited, man. I know y'all can hear it in my voice, but I am more than excited to be able to play in Caulfield. It is such a special time and a privilege to play in Caulfield in front of those fans. So um, I know every one of my teammates will be ready to go out there and perform, man. And, you know, like I urge, this is my challenge to the 12th man on Saturday. I want it as crazy as, the Alabama game last year when the Tide came to town, man, y'all played a huge factor in that game for us and y'all propelled us to a victory. So I challenged the 12th man to bring that same energy, if not more to the game, this Saturday against Ole Miss and make it a living hell for the Ole Miss Rebels when we, when we match up against them. But when we come back from the break, I will be introducing a special guest, a very special guest who is very near and dear to my heart to the pot of Aggieland. Now, we are back from the break. Um, I have a special guest that I am very pleased and very grateful and blessed to introduce. I am introducing my mom, Miss Angela Fraser, to the to the pot of Aggieland. So, Mom, thank you for coming on the show this evening.
1: Thank you for having me, Chase.
0: <laughs> so, um... Yes. Yeah, part of Land. part of Land. So let's get into a fun little conversation. So, okay. um, Mom, you're in the medical field. Um, can you just take us through your day-to-day responsibilities of what it is being a registered nurse and what it is you have to do on a daily basis?
1: Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I graduated from OU in 95, so boomer sooner. I've been a nurse for 27 years. Um, I left bedside nursing last year after working through covid um we lost a lot of veteran nurses just because covid was stressful so i knew that i needed to do something different so i have a different role i'm in education now and so i'm over clinical orientation at ou medical center it's our um big hospital here in oklahoma and so i am responsible for orienting all of our new um, nurses that come through um, travel nurses, agency nurses, new grads, everybody. They come through my orientation. So that's pretty much what I do now.
0: And you and you said that you had to um, work through COVID. So can you just talk about just how crazy of a time, even though we're not completely over COVID and some people don't think about that, but can you just talk about just um, how stressful and how hectic it was working through um, COVID when it first hit? It
1: was, it was. It was scary because no one really knew um, how people were getting COVID um, I was working in labor delivery So we didn't know how it was going to affect babies um, You know, moms that were pregnant And um, we were working with low resources um, A lot of staff, like I said, left And so we were lo- working with like not enough staff It was hard And so that, um, what, almost two years of working um, During COVID when it was at its height was hard um, And it, it was just scary and I think that um, was the biggest thing. We just It was an unknown for us. You know, when we started working, there was no vaccine. So we were working, you know, every night um, or every day thinking, you know, we're going to get exposed. were we going to take it to our family. I remember yeah. during that time, too, when it first started, I didn't even want to be around you or Lauren um, yeah. because I, I didn't know if I could give it to you. So it was, it was just a scary time.
0: Yeah, and that's, I I remember you would just be like, hey, uh, I don't know, because we we, we didn't have the vaccine yet. So yeah, that was such a crazy time. But uh, moving forward, uh, I was fortunate enough to have two parents that always enforce education as a priority. From a mother's perspective, Mm -hmm. can you just talk about why you believe it is so important for athletes, specifically Black athletes, to treat academia as a priority?
1: I think it's because we know that you can't play sports forever, right? I mean, even if you are the Tom Brady, you can't play sports forever and you have to have something to fall back on. And what can you fall back on but education? Um, I also think that is important because you should know how to manage yourself and your money. And so you don't want to be somewhere, you know, where somebody else is managing your money for you and then you retire and you don't have any. All right. So I just think it's just... Education is what's going to make sure that you and your family, because you're going to have a family one day, will be set. You know, whether you're playing football or not, you're going to have something to fall back on.
0: And yeah, I think the concept that I feel like needs to be taught at uh, power five institutions like a Texas A and M is just the importance of financial literacy and what exactly Mm -hmm. that looks like. Because so many times, like you said. Uh, you get to the point to where you're not playing anymore and you have someone else managing your money to where you've given them all of that trust and all of that, um, all that power, all and, that power access. and access. And then you have no idea, like they could slight you, they could go into the rub because it happens all the time with, with, uh, with just people, celebrities, athletes, anybody, anybody with a lot of money and, you know, just having that financial literacy can just, um, subtract that problem from your life. So I appreciate your insight on that, but
1: I think uh, that you even did that blueprint where you guys had, um, someone do a whole presentation for you for that. And I think that was one of the smartest things that you, you know, put into place is like, Hey, let's learn. Let's, let's figure out how to make sure that we're successful even after sports.
0: Mm -hmm. That was, yeah, that was a really successful event for us that we did last year. We actually had, um, A track student athlete, an extract student athlete come in and he put on a um, um, presentation for us because he is now a, uh, a financial advisor or something like that. So it was a really good event that we had put on. So moving forward, growing up, you prioritize my mental health. Not a lot of kids that come from the black community can say that. I remember growing up, we always used to have these mental health days, you know, if you just weren't feeling it. And, you know, and that's a real thing. And some days you, you're just not there. So why did you find it important to make an emphasis on our mental health at such an early age?
1: Because I think that some people um, just believe that kids don't experience stress, you know. But I know that, you know, you and Lauren did. We, we moved a lot. Um, you, you know, starting new schools. You know, trying to uh, make sure that you're excelling with your grades, that you're excelling in sports, that you are trying to find that right group of friend groups, you know, that, and, you know, every kid wants to be popular, that feeling that you want to be popular. And I let you guys tell me, you know, I told you, Hey, listen, everyone needs to just take a break, you know, and sometimes just reset, you know, step away from everything. And I let you and your sister tell me like, Hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. You know, I just think I just need to stay at home. And you never abused it, you know, because you knew that this was something that I was saying, like, hey, this is very important for me. And for me to let you know that if you need a break, you know, I want you to know that you can do that. You can tell me, hey, mom, I I I just don't think I can go to school today. I'm just feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And I just let you stay home. Reset, whether that was just like letting you watch TV and veg out on the couch all day or play video games. That was okay because I know that you needed that time just to reset your mind and your brain and so that you could be prepared for
0: another day. And number one, I appreciate you because now I am a strong advocate for mental health and I can just see how it affects student athletes because I am a student athlete, but going back on the, on the, what the question was, why do you think in the black community sometimes Mental health gets slighted. I've asked many guests that's that's came on the show, like from their perspective. But as a black mother, I want to know from you: Why do you think that mental health is sometimes slighted in the black community?
1: It's a stigma, I think, and I just think that um, culturally, in the past, um, that when black people have sought care, not just like mental health care, um, just like even just like um, you know, if they're sick. That we haven't had the same access to resources, and so it's more of like you know you have to deal with it on your own. So then I think it's also the fact that um, when you look at the like the dynamics of you know black families, that the the man has to be like the strong person and has to be the person that. Um, you know, shoulders all the burdens for the family, they don't want to look weak. Yeah. So it's, it's a stigma to admit that, you know, hey, I need help. You know, I need to talk with someone. I need to, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm that strong person who can handle everything for the family. So I think it's just a stigma. And then it's also access to care that we don't have.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I mean, I think now it's more of a positive light about, um, you know, um, African-Americans seeking mental health care. Cause it's just something we haven't done in the past, but I think because yeah. of social media and that push that now it's just, you know, becoming, um, I guess like not, not more like less of a stigma, yeah. you know, to admit that you might need even medication sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So moving forward, anybody who follows you on social media and you know my friends me myself i know Mm -hmm. and they know how active you are and how active you can be on social media um on the show i have touched base on you know just how toxic social media can get and how toxic it can be after a loss or a bad team performance from us but um how hard is it seeing hateful comments like that sometimes and as a mother Oh my goodness! Yeah. As a mother, hold on, hold on. As a mother, do you sometimes struggle with having to just hold your tongue and just you know just look the other way and turn the other no, cheek? I do.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll say, like, one of the things that you told me at the beginning, because you were redshirted your freshman year, so I didn't really have to, you know, you know, reading the comments didn't really affect me because you weren't out there playing, right? Yeah. But then that 2020 year, and you started playing. And you were, I mean, like you were playing, like, you know, you were in every play and then all, you know, all these different comments start coming in. And I remember you said, mom, stop reading the comments. And I'm like, I just want to, I'm going to, I'm replying right now. And you're like, mom, like don't engage with them. You know, don't engage. I mean, like, you know, what's up? Don't engage. Don't even read it. And I think that was like one of the smartest things that you told me, like, don't engage because that's what they want to do. Like you said, clickbait, right? Yeah. But it's hard because... I think that sometimes when people make these comments, they don't realize that there's very real people that they're talking about, right? And that these very real people have people that love them. They have a mom, they have a dad, they have siblings, they have aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. And when they say these things, I don't think that they realize that that part the person that you're talking about. It's a, it's a game, essentially. There's yeah. nothing about football that is so important to break, you know, tear somebody down, you know, and there's, what's scary is, I think that there's like, you're a very strong person, right? Mentally, you you can see those comments and you just keep rolling. You laugh, you can laugh it off. But there's going to be that one person who can internalize it and, you know, something bad could happen.
0: And yeah. that's what's we've, seen we've, seen we've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what's probably the worst thing. I mean, that there's good that can come from social media. And then, of course, there's that flip side that can be really bad. But what I wish is that when people, you know, talk about athletes, you know, that they need to realize, number one, you're 21 years old. You're a kid, right? To me, you're still a baby. And you're, I mean, you're essentially talking about kids playing a game. And there's nothing that serious to break someone down, you know, And those negative, hateful comments and, you know, I'm ready to go, you know, you know me, like, don't talk about my baby. But I'm like, okay, Chase said, don't engage, like, don't read them. don't engage, just keep moving forward. But if I could say anything to any of, like, your fans, not just your fans, but fans from other schools, um, is that realize that there's a very real person that people love that you're talking about.
0: And I think that concept, I think so many people just get lost in the in the passion of sport because, you know, as sports lovers, we can sometimes go over the top with how we express ourselves after after a loss or if we're we're not playing well. So I appreciate your insight on that. Um. So moving forward, you have two children now with college degrees, myself from Texas A&M and uh, my sister Lauren from the University of Houston, and I'm currently working on a master's degree and i am now and i have been playing football every saturday in front of the whole world you have had a lot to do with my success uh thus far in my life so is it a relieving feeling seeing your kid accomplish his dreams and having success and does that make you feel like you've done your job as a parent
1: um so i don't think you ever feel like your you know your job is done as a parent i think even when i'm like 80 and you're you know well you how old will you be when i'm 80 like um, you'll be like 60? Yeah, so like 55. Um, um I think that I will still be like, you know, worried about you, okay? But I think with you seeing so much success at 21, like you're only 21, right? Yeah. It makes me feel good that I know that you're going to be able to take care of yourself. I like guess one thing I I don't have to worry about like when I'm gone is Chase going to be able to take care of himself? Like, I know that you're going to be good. And I, you know, I'm just so proud um, of how you've done this for yourself. Like you've, every opportunity that, you know, that you've been faced with, like you take it wholeheartedly. like, hey, I'm going to run with this. And you graduated in three years. Like you're working on your master's and playing sports full time. That's a lot. But I like going back to your question, like, Does that make me feel like I've accomplished something? Um, I didn't accomplish it. You did. I'm just cheering on the sidelines, you know, and that does make me feel good because I don't have to worry about you. You know, like if I was gone tomorrow, I would be like, you know what? I still know Chase is going to be good.
0: So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, mom. Thank you.
1: Uh
0: Since having the background knowledge you have from your education, if anyone knows how much of a risk playing football is, it's most definitely, definitely you how hard was it and how hard is it still watching me go out there and play every Saturday? And has it gotten easier over time?
1: Um, Very difficult to watch you from when you were two years old to now, you know, Um, what people probably don't know is that you've, you've, you've played every sport and you've excelled at every sport. And I honestly was hoping that you were going to pick a non-contact sport um, or at least, the, you know, the, the least likelihood of injury, like track or baseball or even golf. But yeah. of course you chose um, football and it's very hard. And I mean, when you had the concussion last year, that was your first concussion. I mean, like you had made it that whole time from playing flag football, you know, until last year without a concussion. And when you sent that video to me, like my heart dropped, you know, because I saw your head bounce off that ground and that scared the blank out of me. Um, so it doesn't get easy and I know how serious it can be. And it's like you that to a, you know, um, injury that he suffered, you know, like I can't even imagine the thoughts that were going through his family's, um, heads when that happened and seeing him. So, no, it doesn't get easier. Um, I would feel like if you did sustain, like, more um, concussions that I would feel like as a mom that I would say, you know what? You don't have anything else to prove. Like, you know, you you can, you can leave now and you will still be successful. Um, and so, no, it doesn't get any easier. It's scary every time you're out there. I, I pray that. Like, I want you to catch the ball, but I don't want them to hit you. <laughs> Like, can you catch the ball and not hit my baby? Just, Or if you're going to hit him, like, just hit him softly so he can, you know, fall and not hit his head. So, yeah. I mean, I think that they're, you know, the coaches really look out for you guys. Um, and I remember last year that they were like, you know, hey, if you feel this, this or that. I mean, they, they didn't clear you for what? It was like two games.
0: Yeah, two weeks. Like, yeah, two weeks. Three yeah, no, yeah. it was two games, yeah, two so, weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I was very grateful for that because I think sometimes that the coaches have to protect you guys from yourselves because, like, you're ready to go, right? That fall, and then, like, you get up and you're like, okay, shake it off, let's go, right? But I yeah. think that who has to protect you is your coaches, that um, the staff there, and then also your family. Like, you know, yeah. don't go back out there until you're healed. So, um, but no, as a mom, that's, that's scary. Those guys are big. And my baby, you're my baby. You're not that big. I mean, you're big, but you're not like the big old guys that could, you know,
0: drop you. So be yeah, big as hell. scary. Everything. Yeah. And just going back to the, going back to the tour situation. Um, so one week he gets hit and then he tries to get up and he can't even walk. His whole equilibrium is just thrown off. And then he's cleared, he's cleared in, in four days or less. And he goes out there and he's, he gets it and he's in a fencing position. So just like I always, I always say, cause you know so much about concussions and, you know, just, just brain health as it is seeing that, seeing both of those videos, how disturbing was that for you personally watching that?
1: Like as a nurse?
0: Yeah. As a nurse. Okay. So
1: that first one, I mean, he was, you could clear that he he was he was clearly stunned you know he he lost his equilibrium he couldn't walk couldn't stand by himself and then that second hit it's called a fencing position and so um seeing that it was like in my head i thought okay that is a traumatic brain injury like i didn't think that he would come back i think that i thought that he would have made the decision that You know, at this point in my career, to suffer a traumatic brain injury like that, knowing that the next hit could be worse, that he wouldn't have came back into the game. Um, I'm not sure, you know, who his support system is. Um, But, you know, like I was saying earlier, sometimes it's that your family kind of has to step in, you know, you only have one brain, you know, he's young. I mean, I know that he wants to have his brain when he's 40. Um, and when you you don't know with traumatic brain injuries, like in the future, what that's going to do to him, so.
0: Well, yes, yeah, it was crazy, and then he came back the 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 game he just played, and he he came back, and he was still leading with his head and trying to get extra yards. So, uh, he's got yeah, some learning he's going to have to do if he wants to have a, a long career. But yeah, maybe he can go play golf. Then maybe he can go play golf. Yeah. Yeah. So last question, just to wrap things up, if you could offer. Oh, over. Over. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we buzzing through, we're buzzing through, we're buzzing through, but if you could offer any advice to a mother who has a black son pursuing college athletics, what would be your advice?
1: Um, to be their support system, like whatever you need from me, I'm there. You know what? It could be the smallest thing. Like, um, Hey, mom, um, I need toilet paper. Okay, I got you. Here's some toilet paper. To so, hey, mom, I have a real life, you know, question. Um, I have some, you know, something going on. I just need to talk to you. Just being there and being available and being present is, I think, the most important thing that a mom can do is just to love you unconditionally and be supportive, um, to cheer your failures, to cheer your successes, just to be there and and just let you know that, hey, I'm here, you know, whenever you need me Because I know sometimes you get busy And I'm like, hey, are you okay? I'm just checking on you Like, oh, hey, mom, like, I had class I had um, this, this, that And it doesn't matter if I talk to you every day I want you to know that I'm available Whenever you need me, you know And to just say, listen um, You know, you're there To play sports But also get your education Out of it, you know Just know that take advantage of the fact that your school is paid for and that you know you can get your bachelor's and a master's if you just focus don't get i guess don't let that playing for a d1 school go to your head where you're not humble anymore you know so you know just kind of just be supportive of you and just to make sure that keep you grounded so yeah
0: and I think I think and I really like what you said about um not letting it get to your head, because sometimes and it's become a stigma, it's become a stereotype with just athletes in general. Like you're on campus and like, for instance, me, I'm on campus, I'm going to class, uh, I sit down, I have on like my gear and everything. And then people are like, oh, you're an athlete. And I'm like, yeah, I play football. And they automatically like turn their uh like. Like, no, without even knowing who I am as a person, they automatically have that thought of me of just being like an a-hole and just being just arrogant just because I'm a football player. So I really like what you said about just not letting it get to your head. And, yeah, I really appreciate the insight. So, But this has been a special, special episode of the Pot of Aggieland. Uh, Mom, I appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to come on the show and just, you know, give us some knowledge and just talk from your heart. So I really appreciate it. If you have any last things that you want to say before you get off the show, then the floor is yours.
1: Um, That I was so happy that you brought me on because as soon as you told me that you were going to have a podcast, you know, I was running around the house screaming because I'm like, that's one thing that like you do so well. Like I could totally see you on ESPN because you, you're just, I've always said it's like your smile, number one. I mean, you know, you're my baby. But you're just so dynamic a personality
0: um,
1: that I couldn't wait to be on here because I just wanted you to know how, how proud I am of you. Um, I do want to say that there's something that people probably don't know about you is that you are probably one of the best teammates that um, anyone could have. Like, you, you are always positive. You're never negative. Um, when people start saying bad things about your teammates, you immediately shut it down. Like, you deflect. And, you know, playing high school, you know, I've had a couple of comments. Like, you're like, hey, mom, listen. And you shut me down. And you're just that guy. You're that teammate who you're always encouraging. You're positive. Um, you're, you're like glass um, half full kind of person. And I don't think that I, I did that. That's That's all you. And um, I hope that your teammates just know how, how much you fight for them, you know, so.
0: I appreciate it, mom. Thank you. Thank
1: you. You're welcome. You're welcome.
0: I love you. Love you too. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in for a very special episode, exclusive episode at that of the Pot of Land. Uh, cannot wait to see the 12th man this Saturday back at Kyle Field. Rowdy and ready to just be there for us. Thank you again to my mother for coming on to the show. Um, I love you, Mom, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode when we put it out. Um, rest in peace again to my, my Uncle Fred and, you know, just praying for the Lane family. But that has been the show for today, and I'm out. Peace.